Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and I would like to welcome you to our 50th episode. Uh, we raise the curtain tonight uh, as the investigators prepare to leave New York, bound for England on the RMS Aquitania. Before they do that, I'm going to ask the cast to introduce themselves. So to my right, virtually... Uh, it's Lonnie. I'll be playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, who has um, been gravely ill and uh, is feeling better. Yes, you are feeling slightly better. You have been... You had lead poisoning. <laughs> well, yes. But, <laughs> but, he, but the, under the care of Dr. Sigmund Tottenbach, he has made a sound recovery. He is in the process, not fully healed yet. Um, but he is now ambulatory uh, on this Friday. So he has managed this Friday morning to make it to uh, Miss Lane's breakfast table. So to uh, Mr. Forsyth's right. I'm Morgan. I play Lillian Lane. And I am really glad that Mr. Forsyth is feeling better. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I can only imagine you are. Because um, who wants the felony attempted murder charge? Uh, oh, at the please. end of the... She's rich enough. It's not going to happen. <laughs> at the uh, end of the virtual table. This is Jake. I'm playing uh, Jack Doyle, private detective extraordinaire. And today we're going on a boat. You are going on a boat. That's very true. Uh, to his right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And are, are you certain there's no place that we could drive? There's no way you could drive there instead of going on a boat? I, somehow I don't think they allow you to drive across the Atlantic, at least not yet. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll um, they'll find a way to figure that out before, uh, you know, the next four hours elapse. Uh, and then last but most certainly not least... Uh, Tiffany, I am playing Maeve O'Shea, and I brought my flippy floppies. That's that's an excellent idea. <laughs> excellent idea. Okay, so we'll raise the curtain tonight in the apartment of Miss Lillian Lane, uh, downtown New York apartment. Uh, it is about 9 a.m. The investigators have gathered together at the table. They're having a later breakfast before they head down uh, to... Uh, the, the pier and board the RMS Aquitania. So, over breakfast, Miss Lane, uh, over reading the paper, uh, Hannah comes in and says, Miss Lane, there's a call for you. Um, it's a uh, Jonah Kensington. Uh, thank you, Hannah. I'll take that in my study. 
Very good. I head over to my study and pick up the phone. Um, this is Lillian Lane. Yeah, Miss Lane. You hear a gruff and kind of a weathered voice on the other end of the phone. Mr. Kensington? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I uh, I tried to get in touch with you uh, a few days ago, but it seems that you were out uh, seeing to things. I wanted to let you know that I've uh, I've spoken with Rams. You said that you were headed over to England. Is that true? That's correct. I have a uh, I have a contact over there. You might want to look into if you're still looking into all this business with uh, Elias's travels. That would be fantastic. Um, what is your contact's name? Uh, the guy's name is Mickey Mahoney. He runs a newspaper over there called The Scoop. Mickey Mahoney. And you, yeah, you have... it's uh, not far from uh, Ludgate Circus. Ludgate Circus? Um, and he runs mm. a newspaper called The Scoop? Yeah. he's uh, He's been in the business a while. He's... Uh, of course, uh, not as reputable as myself in Prospero House, but he uh, he's known to deal in some yellow material, if you understand what I mean. Whatever sells the papers, McLean. Well, I totally understand. Um, where is Ludgate Circus located at? What town? I'm assuming Ludgate. Um. Oh, well, you'd find him in London. London. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Do uh, do take care of yourself, Miss Lane. Thank you, Mister Kensington. Um, and thank you again for the information. I really appreciate it, and the group will too. Yeah. You're welcome. He hangs up the receiver. I head back out to the breakfast table. Mm, yep. Yep. <clears throat> So, uh, Mr. Kensington heard about our trip to, um, you know, across the big ocean there. And he has a contact in London that we uh, might be able to utilize. Thunderbar. Yep, his name oh, is... Oh, that would be very useful, yes. Yes, he runs a newspaper um, called The Scoop in London. Um, his name is Mickey Mahoney. Which doesn't sound suspicious at all, but, you know. <laughs> Look, we get you're a wasp, but, you know. Just oh! <laughs> Always suspicious of the Irish Catholics. I see how it is. <laughs> this is true. Um, uh, speaking of Irish Catholics, um, Mr. Doyle, I could use your assistance after breakfast. Okay. Um, I kind of look side-eyed over at Mr. Forsyth. I was wondering if you could help me take apart my shotgun to put in my uh, suitcase. <laughs> yeah, no problem. You know, um, on the trip over, maybe I'll uh, teach you how to take care of that. That would be fantastic. That'd be a good idea, I think. I think it would be a good idea, too. <laughs> Step one, disassemble the shotgun. Step two, throw the shotgun in the ocean. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, let me see here. I tell you what, give me a give me a give me a no roll. Jack. <laughs> you might be the only one that could possibly know this. Given that you've probably been over there at least once. So it's an education roll, basically. It is. It is an education roll. So you've rolled uh, education, and that's a yeah, 27. <laughs> <laughs> no, I rolled it for you um, using clicking on the actual attribute. Um, so it's 27 out of 72. So when she brings up the shotgun to you, you instantly remember something from your last trip over, and that is shotguns are totally legal in England. Legal? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's oh, okay. perfectly legal for her to own a shotgun, for her to board with a shotgun. Now, obviously, um, if she's smart, she wouldn't take it. She wouldn't take it loaded <laughs> because that is going to seem fishy. Um, but you're more concerned about taking another weapon apart, right? Oh yeah, I'm take, totally taking that apart and stowing it away somewhere hidden, right? But you would know that the shotgun is no issue. It's a hunting weapon. In fact, it's you can probably easily walk into stores in London and buy one right off the shelf because they're mm. used to hunt. Well, then why do I need to take one? I'm just going to go buy a new one. <laughs> well, because you don't know wasteful. that, and perhaps you're particular oh, to it. That's true. I like I like my sh- <laughs> I like, like my shotgun. She she pats the shotgun. Mm, yes. I, I don't like it. This one is mine. <laughs> It's next right. to me at the breakfast table. I, I carry it everywhere. So yes, that's what you would know, uh, Mr. Doyle. Is that uh, totally legal? Okay, well that's good. How about rifles? I'm sure rifles are probably uh, fairly legal. Um, you're imagining that for the most part uh, a hunting rifle is, yes. But if you yeah. were to try to sneak an Enfield or something like that uh, over, you might have to either obtain a permit to bring it into the country or mm-hmm. you might have to um, know the right sort of customs agent. Alright, okay. I'm just wondering. Okay. Uh, so, I guess what I'd like to know is... what are you gathering up? Um, I know some of you have talked to me in your own personal channels about like what you're bringing. That's fine. Um, I'm going to make some assumptions that you're, go- you're all going to bring enough clothes. We don't need to go through a laundry list of things. I, I guess what I'd really like to know from certain people is, especially Maeve is, is there anything from the items that you've picked up that you're leaving here in the States and not bringing with? Uh, the mask. Okay. So which one? Because you have the mummified human tongue mask, and then you have the the other head, uh, the 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 other uh, headpiece that has three faces on it. Yeah, but that one was just made out of like wood or something, right? Right. Yeah, but it was definitely it was in and amongst the things that uh, Dari had with him, and that you originally stole, and that he stole back from you, and then you took back from him after Jack uh, you know opened his head into a canoe right uh, yeah I'm just leaving the mummified tongue one 
Alrighty. I assume that you're bringing all of the uh, associated books. You're not leaving any of those behind? Nope. And I'm going to bring my ritual knife and... Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So all the other stuff comes with you. You're not... You're only leaving the, the mummified human tongue one. Well, A, nobody wants to carry that around. B, nobody wants to answer questions about that one. So I figure it's probably for the best. Great. You know what the best part is? It can scare the shit out of Hannah when they, when she finds it. it. Yes. Yes, it will. It'll be great. I'll be sad I won't see it. Okay. Um, so, Jake, is there anything Jack is leaving here amongst the things that he needs? No, I'm bringing everything, and anything that might be a little dodgy legally, I'm going to disassemble and stow away. Okay, very good. Uh, Mr. Forsythe? Um, well, I I don't think they'll let me keep the Lee Enfield, which is fine. And I didn't even bring that to New York, I don't think. Um, actually, I didn't bring the shotgun either. Bit under, bit under geared for this, but... Uh, uh, really, really the only things I'm bringing are, are the little things, you know, field glasses and a compass, and I'm not bringing any of my, uh, um, any of my work tools or anything like that, so. Okay. I'm traveling light. I'm, I'm <laughs> resting and relaxing. Sure. I shall spend uh, time on deck with many alcoholic beverages. I don't Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that is definitely something that everyone would be looking forward to it probably at least in some regard is the fact that once you get on that boat and it gets 10 miles out from shore uh, you are no longer in the United States you're in international waters and the law of prohibition will not apply to you and the ship knows that as well <laughs> so uh, okay so uh, uh, Miss Lane are you uh, bringing anything specific or um <laughs> Besides the shotgun, obviously. Well, of course. Um, obviously, besides the variety of clothes that you've already seen the list of, which includes, you know, lots of pants and stuff like that. Yes. Um, lots of pants. Lots of pants. And it's, it was very stylish back in the 20s. Men thought women looked weird with it, but, yes. you know, the younger adventurous women such as myself could do it. Um, I'm bringing mm-hmm. um, handcuffs, uh, my hand axe, um, obviously my shotgun. <laughs> My flare gun, my binoculars, and knee high boots so I can kick some butt. Great. It's perfect. You're either a uh, casual, uh, you know, out for an adventure sort of 20s woman or potentially a dominatrix. Either way, it works for me. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, yes. Doctor, besides your medical bag, besides a resupplied medical bag, I imagine, um, are you. Are you endeavoring to bring anything else with? Um, you have obtained the sword cane, uh, so that's all taken care of. Other than the sword cane and a refilled doctor's bag and my uh, just some sort of uh, changes of clothing, obviously, which we're not going to go through, uh, I can't really think of anything extra special that he's bringing with. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Okay, great. So uh, we will... Actually, actually, can I um, interrupt? Uh, There is one thing that I'll be bringing, which is the uh, maps and things that uh, I have collected. 
Yeah. Um, so I'd like to know one last piece before we move to the ship, which is the um, associated uh, clues that have been collected along the way here in New York. Who is going to be um, the keeper of those? Who will be bring, or will they be staying here? I don't assume that they will be. I assume you're bringing them with, but who's going to hold on to them? I think we definitely should bring them with. Uh, as for who is going to hold them, they're clues, so maybe Jack? Yeah, I can hold on to them. Okay. Good enough. Um, then, as long as there's no other objections, um, then I will draw the curtain back up and you find yourself on a cold, um, kind of wet dock uh, along with a very select few people that have been kind of cordoned off into a line, and you are making your way past um, all of the second class and steerage class potential cruise people, or uh, passengers as it were, and uh, you are heading up a very long ramp after dropping off your luggage with the porter. So I'm going to assume, because I just I can already hear it, I'm going to assume that several of the characters are going to want to keep certain bags with them, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Right. Now, um, so they have no issue with that. Um, the porters tell you that if you want to keep your luggage with you since you're first class uh, passengers they're happy to take them to your rooms for you um, if, if that's what you'd like or if you'd like to carry them yourselves that's perfectly fine as well um, you get checked in and you get placed on the ship so you get your room your berth as it were uh, so as you, you guys enter the ship on the port side of it. Okay? So if port side is, if you're staring directly in front of the ship, at the ship, port side is the right. Um, so you get a port side uh, series of cabins. Uh, you are in the top deck area. That's where first class passengers uh, are fitted here on the Aquitania. And as if you scroll up, and you see the deck plans that I have, uh, you'll be able to see where you'll enter. So if you bring up that picture, you guys will be on deck A, and you will be in the forward companion uh, area. Uh, and there are a series of rooms there, a series of blocked rooms uh, that uh, Miss Lane has secured for you. So I will, uh, just so you, you guys know, if you look at the picture that uh, of the bisection, the cross section of the ship that I have uh, put in, you guys are in the, as I said, port side, where where you see the words "forward companionway," mm -hmm. and then you see an arrow that points towards the stairway. So there are a set of rooms that is directly up from there, up being towards the lifeboats where it says first class promenade. There's a series of rooms there. That is where your rooms are. Okay. Excellent. So you have a really, really nice spot on the ship. It doesn't appear anyway as you guys are 
finalizing your boarding procedure. It doesn't seem anyway that the first class uh, line for the ship, the queue, is entirely full. And so while the second class and steerage class might be uh, pretty packed, it doesn't seem that there are that many first class passengers. And, uh, and you board. You board the ship about 10 a.m. And there's the hustle and bustle of people on the deck. There's the smell of the salt water. The gulls, even in the winter here, are uh, in the area. And uh, there's, a, there's a smell to this whole thing, whether it be the sea or whether it be the fish or whether it be your fellow passengers. The tough part for you, Sigmund, is that there is just this sheer massive amount of water around you. It goes on for miles and miles to the horizon. I don't like it. It, it is a bit comforting as you get into your cabins when you see the first class amenities. It is a bit comforting knowing that if you don't want to look out the small circular window, you don't have to. So when you first board, because of the, because of the rooms, um, you and Mr. Forsyth decide to get rooms that are relatively next to each other. That way you can easily uh, attend to him if necessary. Um, but yeah, but, uh, there's, there's something about being on this big of a ship again that just does not settle well in your stomach. It kind of it causes, well, it causes a bit of ajida. It causes you to have just an upset stomach. I am not surprised. Uh, pour myself a, a snifter of brandy. That will calm my, calm my nerves and my stomach. Oh, of course. Of course it will. Um, everyone else gets settled in their uh, passenger cabins. The amenities here are, is barely a step down from this lane's apartment. I mean, honestly, it's hard to tell uh, the difference other than the fact that, you know, there is a din and a noise in the background of uh, the, the rig- regular rhythm of the ship. And you hear uh, a, a bell chime a couple of times. And then you hear the voice of a steward uh, in the hallway saying uh, that they're preparing to cast off. They're preparing to, leave port uh, the porters come around and they e- check each one of your um, passports you all have these uh, beige nasen passports uh, with your identification on them and they just double check um, they don't really do a, a super fine tooth comb inspection and they don't really even inspect your bags at all they just let you get on so you've paid for it. Um, Miss Lane, the porter stops at your cabin and and knocks on the door and kind of just pokes his head in and says, Miss Lane, if you need anything, uh, I am your steward here. Let me know if there is anything out of place or anything we can do to make your travel more acceptable. Thank you. I will do that. Um, question to you, Mike, um, is do the do my cohorts have their own steward as well? Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no! That's not the way that works. Uh, I mean, okay. the porters and the ship know who buys the tickets, and so that's kind of way it, it seems to work. Like 
this this gentleman here is I'm sure he would be happy to help any of your compatriots, but he's really more concerned about your own personal specific needs. Okay. Anyone doing anything before the ship leaves port? Nope. Okay. I'm... Um Mr. Forsyth, you glance down at your pocket watch and you watch the second hand slowly and inexorably move towards uh, matching up 12 o'clock on the dot. And you hear at 12 o'clock on the dot, a long horn blow. And then this churning underneath your feet begins. As uh, the ship begins to move. And it's not really until a few moments later that you realize that that churning is really just the ship moving through the water. Her engines are probably not even moving yet. Because she's going to have to be pushed by a tugboat out of port. Right. Um, you get out into the deeper waters. And through the portholes, those of you who are watching, you can see uh, New York, uh, the New York Harbor slowly s- s- uh, just move past uh, your fields of vision. You see the downtown area. You see people on the harbor pier waving. You see people on the promenade and the lower decks waving to those folks. And the ship begins to move smoothly and cleanly through the high tide. And you leave New York City behind. I want to uh, make a note to our, like at the beginning of this, I'm going to pull out um, my um, father's journal and it has Dr. Pierce's card in it with the mm-hmm. London address. Yeah. So I want to familiar familiarize myself with that because it's, that is some place I do want to go while we're in London. Yeah, totally makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you familiarize yourself. With, you know that you'll probably, once you get to London, want to get not only a London street map, but you'll probably want to get a map of the city. Uh, and then you would also be somewhat, at least mildly aware of the fact that you won't obviously dock in London. You'll go to Southampton. So you'll have an hour or so of either a train ride or uh, some type of hired car to get to the city itself. Right. Uh, that first day, really the first four or five hours, there's a fairly big adjustment for everybody. Um, you have the opportunity to walk the decks to get used to and get to get out and see what's on the ship. Uh, for those of you who are going to do that, I guess I would inquire as to where you're going to go. What amenities are you going to be looking at first? Um, I'm probably going to find the doctor and um, see what he's up to and hang out with him, I guess, for a little while. He's a fun person to hang out with. <laughs> uh, he's He's really the person I'm closest to at this point. He's got all the good drugs. Like, I mean, why wouldn't you want to hang out with that guy? Oh, right. It's true. I, I do good time bag. <laughs> good time bag. Well, I, for one, am going to hang out in the bar. Okay. So I guess the question would be, uh, which 
one. So, so the Aquitania has several places where you can get a drink, uh, whether it be just simply the reading and writing room. You could go to the lounge. There's a saloon. Um, saloon. <laughs> so, oh, good lord! Okay. Leave your leave your gun in the room, please. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, <good. sighs> okay, Miss O'Shea, you find uh doctor. He's uh just doing some uh I guess he's he's kind of um helicopter parenting a little bit, uh Mr. Forsyth, just to make sure he's settled in okay. Oh. Fun. Now if there's anything you need and anything at all, Mr. Forsyth, you need of course just get me a call and I will be right here next door. No problem, Doctor. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling much better. Um, your your uh, ministrations have uh, done excellent work. Wunderbar, wunderbar. Sure. Ah, Miss O'Shea, how are you this How are you today? I'm okay. Just don't know what to do at this point. Well, perhaps we should find uh, the rest of the ship, find the rest of our companions, and see what they are up to. Okay. I'm okay. I offer, I offer her an elbow, because I do not have sea legs. <laughs> yeah, we'll go track down the uh, others, I suppose. Okay. Miss um, Lane, where would you be? I would be in the first class lounge in music room. Okay. So the nice part about this ship is it has a dining and saloon area for drinks and regular food. And then there is a lounge for, I would say less food concerns and more, uh, more liquid libations. That's, that's probably the aim there of the lounge. Um, you can see that the lounge is well appointed with good furniture. It has columns. It has tray ceilings with uh, small uh, small lights in the middle sections, uh, and then actually lamps that sit and rest on nearby tables. You don't feel the ship move very much back and forth here. Uh, it feels very solid, which is also something that surprises you, Sigmund. Even as you and Miss O'Shea walk the deck and, and or, or I should say walk through the passageways until you get to the lounge. Um, very sturdy ship. She feels very strong. I'm thankful for that because I don't need the extra challenge for walking. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, Miss O'Shea will notice that the doctor is keeping his eyes de- definitely on the ship itself, on the floor and on the fixtures. Yeah, it's not um, it's not hard to see, Tiff, that Sigmund is taking his steps very carefully on the ship. Well, I'll help him as much as I can. It doesn't seem like it's a thing. It's not... It's more like he's... doesn't have his sea legs. Well, I don't know how much help I will be. It's not like I haven't really ever been on a boat either. Yeah. 
the two of us will have an amazing time getting to the lounge then. <laughs> Don't worry, Fraulein. We will get there eventually. You, you two do arrive. Uh, you see that uh, Miss Lane has uh, arrived already. Um, uh, are you availing yourself, Miss Lane, of the uh, um, bartenders or the uh, staff there to... Yep, I um, go over to the bar and ask the barkeeper for a, yeah. uh, a, a bourbon neat. Of course, ma'am. He makes you a bourbon neat. It's top shelf alcohol. Um, it's also something that you're relatively familiar with. It's good, solid, undiluted bourbon. I, I take it like a shot. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Give me another. No. Uh, Can I get you a drink, Miss O'Shea? I'll just have a glass of wine. Um, the staff asks what type of wine. We have several different types, vintages, colors. Um, what would you suggest? I usually don't have this big of a selection. <laughs> of course, we understand. Uh, I have a nice white that will go with um, perhaps some hors d'oeuvres in the next half hour. Sounds good. Thank you. And I would like a brandy, please. Of course, sir. Um, you get your drinks and there is definitely something. There's definitely something different about them. Um, you notice it right away, uh, Sigmund. This brandy has not been cut or diluted or it's not been changed or altered in any way. This is actual alcohol. Ah, this reminds me of home. It's this I, can, <laughs> I enjoy. And the wine is very good uh, that they've, uh, they've selected for you, Ms. O'Shea. It's, it's, not, um, it's not too sweet. It's not too dry. So they've picked a nice middle-of-the-road white wine. <clears throat> and there the three of you are in the lounge. And uh, Morgan, uh, I know you've cleared your shot away. They give you another. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and another. And I smash right, it on yeah. the table. Yeah. It's that kind of party. Uh, do you see some other guests begin to filter into the lounge area, first-class passengers? Uh, you can tell everyone is reasonably well-dressed. Um, they pair off or go in threes to specific tables. Um, they, the men, some of the men light cigars. Others have pipes. There's a general din of noise that kind of picks up almost like a dining room in here. Um, you begin to hear music. Um, some, not so much a, a, an upbeat music but you definitely hear music filtering in from the background it could be some type of classical you're not sure i find a booth to sit in one of because they're like circular booths aren't they yeah there's several choices as far as where you'd like to sit they they have long tables there so they have if you imagine like a diner booth almost except twice as wide uh, so they, they could probably fit comfortably anyway. So you could probably fit four guests aside. And then they have a chair that can be pushed up to uh, 
the side of this actual dining room table. That's the size of their booths. They're, they're really oversized. Oh, I'll take one of the tables, the circular tables that has some chairs around it. Okay. I try to I try to sit as far away from wherever the men are smoking because that'll give me a headache. It could. It could. All right, uh, Miss O'Shea, I'm, uh, I'm assuming you and the doctor are going to join her? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Now you can plot your next moves. Uh, Mr. Forsyth, you are uh, still kind of getting used to dealing with uh, the way you have to move without having your ribs or your back hurt. Yeah. Um, you've had a chance, though, to settle yourself and settle into this passenger room. You don't feel a ton of pain, at least in the immediate sense. What do you think? Lawrence would do with his first few hours here on the, on the ship? I would probably wander the uh, promenade deck and actually go uh, to the boat deck. My first stop would be some either the smoke room or the library. Probably <laughs> the library because it would be closer. Sure. That way I wouldn't have to walk as far. Okay. So you head out on the promenade, as it were. And you get a chance to see all uh, all sorts of people. Um, there's all sorts of people there. Uh, and then as you go out and kind of carefully walk the vessel, uh, you it's it's still co- pretty cold out, given that it's January in the New York area. Uh, it is roughly about one o'clock or so by the time you get out there. So it would be at the height of temperature probably for the day, or pretty close to it. Um, so it's not too awful bad. Uh, the, the skies are relatively gray and, and overcast, but I would still... be wearing my jacket and probably. Yeah. There's still quite a view. So the best part is is that even though there are gray skies, even though there are several other people out here with you, um, the view is spectacular. It really is. It's the simple pleasures. But really, I think the simple pleasure now is a chair and perhaps something to drink and hmm. a good book to look at. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, so uh, heading into the lounge then, or are you heading somewhere else? Uh, probably headed to the uh, library. Okay. I know that the first hours of the voyage, uh, people will be out and about doing things rather than uh, being inside, so it'll be quieter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, You cut through a lot of the hustle and bustle and find yourself in the library after uh, not too awful long. Uh, And while it's not, you know, the last massive library that you were in at Miskatonic University, it is fairly well appointed. Uh, they have several different books on several different topics, and there's even a staff member there serving as a librarian of sorts. Not looking for anything too specific right now. Maybe, maybe some, uh, maybe some of the London papers. Okay. Yeah. She, um, he, uh, the staff member can provide you with a relatively recent London paper. 
that way if I happen to end up in any casual conversation when we're over there, at least I won't seem like a complete uh, uneducated colonial. <laughs> oh, you will, but just maybe not as bad. They have some London papers, absolutely. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, quietly read the paper. Maybe have a cigar and there you go, and and a drink, and because we don't have to worry about that stupid prohibition right now. No, that is that is behind you, several several miles behind you at this point. Jack, uh, you have a few drinks in the saloon. Um, how long are you planning on staying there? Oh, just a while. It's been a long time since I've been able to uh, drink in a proper bar. <laughs> Yeah, they, they really do have anything that you might want. Uh, and as a first-class passenger, they are basically serving you um, until you say no. So uh, they're not really charging you per se, although it does seem like people here on this deck tend to tip very well. So you can only imagine that that, that part is probably coming. Yeah, well, that's fine. I can, I can handle that. <sighs> But I'll, I'll stay long enough to get a little tipsy. Okay. Yeah, you... And then I'll, yeah, then I'll meander my way back. <laughs> you tie a few on and, and uh, you know, get your, get your mind right, get yourself sorted mentally, and, uh, and head on back. You end up kind of half walking down a separate hallway that you're really not sure which passageway is directly back to your room, but you figure it's a big box. You can't miss it after a while. Yeah. Eventually I'll find my way back. Right. Eventually you'll find your way back. Promise. You do end up walking into the lounge just out of happenstance. And you see a couple of your fellow uh, compatriots there. They seem to be uh, having some wine and drinks with the evening. Excellent. And I, I will go and, uh, Meet my companions. Join us, Jack. We're having a drink and we're listening to the various rabble rousing of the characters here. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Miss Lane, a steward comes around in a white coat and uh, stops by the table. Uh, Miss Lane, do you have a moment? I do. I apologize for the uh, disruption. I won't keep you. Um, the uh, captain is interested to know if you would like to be sat at his table this evening. Um, would my companions be able to join? Oh, of course. Yes, you know, the whole party would be welcome. That would be wonderful as long as they're in agreements as well. Yes, certainly. Oh God! Yeah, as soon as he says that, it's very clear in your mind that Jack maybe has had a few drinks. Yes, I I, I look to the steward and you know let him know that we would be honored to sit with the captain this evening. Okay, well, wonderful. I'll uh, let you know. Dinner is at six. Fantastic. Um, I excuse myself and I go back to the bar to get another bourbon. Right. Everyone will be well seasoned by the time they get to the captain's table. Oh, it seems that way. Yes. I got to keep up with Jack. Well seasoned. 
it looks like Miss Lane is doing her best to keep up with you, Jack. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> that is an absolutely terrible idea, but don't worry. I'll make sure I always save one drink ahead of her. That's a man with a plan. I agree. I appreciate that. <laughs> the uh, The day rolls on a little bit, and it rolls into appetizers, which help, of course, soak up some of the alcohol, which, of course, makes room for more alcohol in your mind. Um, about five o'clock or so, uh, you realize that the you have about an hour until dinner and you miss O'Shea you're probably the first one to notice it that the group anyway seems to have found their stride so to speak as far as uh, drinking goes I'm excited you should be <laughs> you absolutely should be and getting changed for dinner or are you just going to go as you are I will get changed, but are we going to let Mr. Forsyth know we're dining with the captain this evening? I was going to check his bandages anyway. I'll find him. I will inform him. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after a, couple, after a couple of hours. Doctor, do you want me to help you get back to the room? That would be wonderful, Miss O'Shea. I would be appreciative of your help. Okay. It seems as out I am having a harder time walking than I was before. <laughs> Shocking. I have no idea why. He had to find his sea legs. Uh, yeah, you guys head back to uh, his uh, <clears throat> his stateroom, his uh, his room, and you find the uh, Sigmund. You find that the ship here isn't giving you any problems anymore as far as walking. You, everything seems right as rain. Oh, wonderful. It seems as though I've gotten used to it. But you are welcome to stay with me, Miss O'Shea. Uh, um, go change before dinner. Wunderbar. Seeing just as much as the ship now. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, you change, and uh, pe- folks get ready. Uh, Lawrence... You find, uh, after a while, um, the uh, staff member who's assisting you in the library, uh, when five o'clock or so rolls around, she does remind you that the first-class dining is at six. I'll probably um, go back to my cabin at that point and probably run into at least one member of the party who will helpfully inform me that uh, I've got to get ready for dinner real fast. Yep, Uh, you run into Maeve. Then I will uh, change uh, change into something a bit more suitable for dining at the captain's table. Okay, yeah. Everybody gets a chance to change. Everybody gets a kind of gets a chance to get to get a handle on themselves, so to speak. Uh, and you arrive in the dining hall about an hour or so later. Fashionably late seems to be uh, the trend here on the Aquitania. Nobody seems to jo- to show up to first class dining at 6 p.m. on the dock. Uh, but you do see that uh, one of the folks who has joined the, uh, the dining hall already is uh, several members of the, the ship's crew. You see men in uh, naval uniforms, and uh, you see a couple of 
folks just in front of you who are getting seated at a table. One of the stewards steps up, Miss Lane, and says, uh, uh, Miss Lane, right this way. The party are up front. Perfect. And I follow the steward. You follow them. Uh, they walk you all the way down the center row until you arrive at a very long and elegantly uh, accented table. It's actually two of them that have been kind of split in the middle and then uh, at a bit of a diagonal, almost like um, if you were staring at someone's face and looking at their eyebrows, uh, so that way they can face the rest of the room. Uh, There are about 12 to maybe 15 seats at this uh, table, and uh, they seat you all together. Uh, There's no assigned seating per se, but they just show you where uh, the captain will be sitting and some of the other folks, uh, and they kind of fill you in there. Uh, Miss Lane, they do sit you in uh, close proximity uh, to the captain, and you can see that the tag that uh, stands by his uh, seat is uh, Captain Robert Barkley. Great. I take a seat. The stewards of do what they're supposed to do best, which is make sure that you have something to drink. Um, just water for me. No, we're, we're going to go on to water for now. You sure? Uh, yeah. They begin service, uh, and as the uh, ship's staff go to work, you see uh, two gentlemen enter in the far side of the room. They are both uh, dressed in... Uh, naval uniforms, but they have um, obvious epaulets and symbols on them, and they walk up towards the captain's table. You also see that there is a third man behind these two, uh, and he seems to be a physically larger man. He's not dressed in a naval uniform. He's actually dressed in a fairly nice tailored suit. And the ship uh, first man comes around uh, and approaches you, Miss Lane, and says, Miss Lane, I'm Captain Robert Barkley. Thank you for joining us in the voyage. I stand and extend my hand to him to shake. Thank you, Captain, for allowing us to dine with you this evening. Oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, This is my first officer, Reginald Fencer. He points to a younger man behind him. And this, he continues down the line to the man in the suit, is... Joseph Taft. And what does Mr. Taft do? Uh, Mr. Taft, uh, he, he greets you, extends his hand, and he takes yours. Oh, I, uh, I just travel the world, you understand. He uh, takes a seat on the other side of the captain and the first officer. Um, it does. It dawns on you pretty quickly, Miss Miss Lane, that his last name probably does all the talking that he needs to. Yeah. Because his last name is Taft. Taft, yep. And the captain and the first officer sit down beside you guys. Mr. Forsyth, you notice that uh, the nephew of President Taft has walked into the room and sat down at the same table you're at. Oh, my. Um, Yes, I'm going to uh, keep my reactions to myself, but yeah, this is not my crowd. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Dinner service starts. 
So uh, Barkley is, he's fun to talk to. Uh, over the next 20 minutes or so, you guys get past pleasantries and you realize that uh, he's a man of not few words. He's actually, he's fairly well-spoken. Uh, but what he really is interested in is where you're going and uh, why you're going to uh, England. Who wants to take that on? So I just look at Lillian. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we are just headed into London to um, do some sightseeing. Well, it's uh, not very often we get folks who are interested in sightseeing in January, but I would say that you've beaten the crowd. As I say, um, uh, there'll be less people around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is this your uh, first time aboard a uh, cruise ship? Um, mine, uh, no. I've um, been on a couple others with my family and myself after college. Your uh, traveling companions? Or are these your accompanying uh, guests? Not sure what you'd call them. Um, they're my traveling companions. They're definitely able to speak for themselves. <laughs> I've been on a ship one time, but not never first class. This is quite uh, quite luxurious. I am enjoying it quite well, quite a lot, Captain. Thank you very much for allowing us to dine here. You're welcome. Uh, we saw that uh, Miss Lane was uh, on the docket. And we couldn't pass up the opportunity to make sure that we showed her the very best of service. I'll be sure to let my father know um, what great company you gentlemen were. Well, we surely hope you do. Hopefully uh, your father and uh, mother join us for a voyage soon. The Cunard line is always happy to take on guests. Uh, so well known. They do enjoy sailing, so I'm sure I'll be able to talk them into that. Well, after dinner, after the formalities are over, I'm saying the, there is a lounge just that's uh, a bit more private for first-class passengers. Uh, We're going to retire there after dinner, if you and your compatriots would like to join us. I would be more than happy to join you for some after-dinner drinks. I'll leave the rest up to my my compatriots as to whether they join or not. So the first few courses come out, salad, there are some, there's a, a bit of meat comes out. This is probably, this would probably be a, a type of fish, maybe like an Atlantic cod or something like that. Um, you see that there are choices for each one of you. Uh, the stewards go one by one and essentially ask you from a litany of things what you want, whether it's fish or whether it's roast or whether it's they have a veal that's available as well, so they, they go through a litany of things that you might be offered to uh, to eat. But uh, as dinner rolls along, uh, Captain Barkley stands up and he takes his fork to his cup and uh, raises his glass and said, I, I would hope you all would join me in a toast for this voyage of the Aquitania. Uh, long may she serve these waters. Most of the guests join in. Salute! <laughs> I raise my glass and then drink. Um, Miss Lane, give me a spot hidden one. I get a 17 out of 88. So extreme success. 
Uh, you notice someone out in the crowd that you were not prepared would be here. Uh, a couple of rows into the uh, seating there here in the uh, first class dining room, you notice William Andrews Drake. Uh, you know him from his association, business association with your father, uh, but and while, he, and while he's not nearly as old, uh, he has been has done business with your father on multiple occasions that you can remember. He's probably 10 or so years your senior. And when you finally locate him in the crowd, you realize that he's looking back at you. And he just gives you a smile and nods to you. Um, but just pointing that out so that you can see that he's in the crowd. I will have to um, go have a maybe have a chat with him in a little while. The dinner is exceptional. It's probably like nothing you've had in recent memory. Uh, it beats the food at the Gerard. It beats what Hannah cooks <laughs> in Miss Lane's apartment. Um, you get a five-star meal here aboard the Aquitania. And it absolutely hits the spot. So no matter what your choices are, the food is exceptional, and so is the service. In fact, uh, I would probably hazard a guess that Mr. Forsythe, you might be even a little uncomfortable with all of the kind of pawing they seem to do at your every want and need, just because you're not used to it. Um, and while it is, I mean, you, I'm sure you're, you're appreciative. It's uh, it seems a little bit overboard. Very tiring. You're a, a simple man for the most part, and so this is definitely something that is uh, you're not used to. Anybody doing anything at dinner? Um, is dinner over? I would, I would like to give the characters an opportunity they would like. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find uh, Mr. Drake. What's the talk like? What are, what, are, what are they talking about around the table? The captain's table, for the most part, between him and the XO and Taft, especially Taft, is in his cups pretty heavy at this point. Uh, he's living up to his reputation, which is he is a braggart and a drunk and it's fairly well known he has he has a relatively tarnished reputation even being so young you don't think he's even 30 yet um, and he has essentially ridden the coattails of you know his uncle for the better part of the past 10 to 15 years um, the talk with the captain is very genial. He talks mostly of being when, when Taft inquires about what's going on with the ship or when some when someone comes up to the table. Because that's the other thing, too, is because the captain's table is at the front, He it's like a wedding in the sense that he is going to continuously get an almost stream of visitors who are going to come up and ask him how he's doing, introduce themselves, because they're not getting an opportunity to sit at the table that you are. But, uh, but you get the, the idea, Lawrence, that most of it is a glad-handing, um, back-patting, and uh, shoe-shining, if you get my meaning. Yeah. Um, I'll just sit there in fairly uncomfortable silence and uh, uh, eat the food. <laughs> the yeah. food is good. Yeah, absolutely. The food is good. Um, Jack, what are you spending your dinner time doing, if anything? Besides, like, not 
trying to make a mess of yourself. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. I don't want to get involved in too many of the conversations because you know this isn't really my scene. But I try to be polite. Yeah, yeah I think you pull off polite reasonably well. Um, the the food has helped staunch some of the drinks that you've had. You weren't you weren't used to the real Canadian whiskey. You weren't used to the real stuff uh, as much. So after a few hours and after a little bit of recovery time and food, you're kind of getting that second wind. Doctor, did you have something you wanted to do? Just making polite conversation with uh, Miss O'Shea and uh, Jack, you know, so that it doesn't look like I'm completely stonewalling the crowd. Uh, if the captain denies to talk to me, then in between his visitors and, and talking to Taft, uh, then I definitely engage him in polite conversation, but not too much more than that. Uh, the doctor's well aware of the fact that he's pretty buzzed at this point. So. <laughs> okay, so here's what I would like. I would like to know whom among the investigators has the lowest luck score. That may have changed. Lonnie. Yeah. Is it? Mr. Forsyth? I'm reasonably certain of that. Uh, 39 is pretty low. Yeah, that's lower than me. Lillian might be lower, actually. Yeah, lower than mine. All right. Well, I want you, Mr. Forsyth, to make a luck roll then. Here we go. Oh, that's a failure. <laughs> and there it is. 82. It always is. One of the ship's assistants is taking a plate from you. Mm-hmm. And during this process of taking the plate, he's doing as most of staff do, which is they don't come in front of you, they come up behind you. Right. And they come around and take the plate and then move back. Uh, when they move back, one of the staff members stumbles a bit and he grabs onto the first thing he can grab onto which is your right shoulder. And when he grabs onto your right shoulder, your back wrenches, because obviously it's the force of the person, and you hear something in your back pop. And then you see stars. Everybody else is going to see this at the same time. Um, The staff member seems like he he slips, he grabs onto Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence howls in pain because there's no way he can't. Uh, and the staff member recovers um, and begins apologizing, picking up the plate and all of the food. Um, the captain doesn't move a muscle. It's the his first mate that gets up after gets up immediately. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You see the first mate come over. I'm sorry, sir. I are you all right? I'm immediately moving to help uh, Forsyth. Damnation! Uh, I, uh, uh, that was. Doctor, yeah, that you you begin kind of doing a cursory examination. Why don't you go ahead and give me a medicine roll? And don't roll a <laughs> hundred. No, but I did roll a, a ninety-four over eighty-two. Right. Uh, the so, alcohol so... has gone to the doctor's head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you are actually fairly certain that Lawrence is okay. That he, he say, uh, his bandages and all this other stuff seems fairly well in place. 
kind of give him a bit of a cursory examination. You think, okay, well, he's he's a sturdy fellow. He's probably going to be okay. He should be fine. Uh, I don't. Do I feel anything? Um, yeah, it feels like it. It feels like you're. <laughs> I don't want to see your shoulders out of socket. It feels like uh, somebody pulled a muscle in your back. I mean, when I heard the pop, I I mean, I assume that there are uh, a large number of. Uh, Stitches holding holding a certain hole in my back together. Probably, yep. Did it feel? Do I feel wet? You do not feel wet. Okay. Luckily, you do not feel wet, Captain. Um, I, I'm afraid you'll have to excuse me. Um, uh, if I could get some help to the stateroom, I'm sorry. I yeah. I I had a a a small injury coming to coming on board and uh i i fear it's gotten worse it, it's quite all right the uh the first officer says i'll, I'll help you let me, let me help you i let him pick me up and walk me out <laughs> yeah the first officer assists you in getting to your feet it's not too terribly difficult for you physically um but you you walk back to your stateroom sigmund he looks like he's walking fairly okay you think he's going to be fine Ah, he should be all right then. Uh, I let the first mate help him back, and I settle back into my chair. Uh, check my hand while I'm uh, going back, because when you separate your shoulder, things don't quite work right. <laughs> I know that much. Um, you grab onto a couple of the um, or the there are these railings here in the hallway that just in case someone were to lose their balance. Uh, you seem to have grip power in your right hand, so you don't think your shoulder is separated. Good. Because I've um, seen that. <laughs> yes, you have. You've seen, you saw it down south for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, the first mate assists you in getting back to your stateroom. Uh, he makes sure that you're comfortable and then tells you that uh, there's a button here. If you press it, uh, someone from the staff will be along to get you whatever you need. Thank you. Um, he uh, he apologizes again. It's all right. Quite all right. Accidents happen. They do. They do. Uh, we'll rest up and uh, we should uh, like to hear from you in the morning. I'll, I'll come and check on you to make sure everything's okay. Thank you. The group at that point after dinner goes to a more private lounge area uh, on, in... Uh, in the front in the uh, front of the ship it's a fairly nice yet small enough appointed uh room it seems to be uh, where they're observing uh, you can yeah it's like an observation deck uh, except that it's not a deck it's a room so it's closed off uh, there are a few other guests in this uh, area with you uh, one of them miss lane is uh mr drake um but it's really who Sigmund catches in, in his eyes in this. Sigmund, you see a woman uh, at the bar here. Uh, chestnut, short hair, neatly coiffed to reveal her thin and friendly face. She has very expressive green eyes that kind of watch delightfully over this room. And she kind of picks over each person until she moves on to the next. Um, 
she catches your attention and begins to hold it as she moves from you know location to location observing out onto the water here it's nightfall now and uh the ocean is vast and she is a light which makes it not so ominous is she close enough to speak there that i can speak to her oh i mean you you could you could walk over to her you would have to you would have to you would have to close distance i mean not like nearly arranged (laughs) but uh i take a five foot step Uh, does that give me at least an attack of opportunity no 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 no, no attacks of opportunity wrong game uh wrong game so uh i do close the distance then okay you go you head on over guten tag how are you this evening good evening she turns to face she has a glass in her hand a small flute of uh, what maybe is champagne uh, she extends her hand to you and says, Gwendolyn Ann Foster. Dr. Sigmund Tattenbach, it is wonderful to meet you. Doctor, how wonderful. So, uh, how are you finding the voyage? I did not find it so well until just recently. Mm. Now things are looking up. Well, and how did you uh, fare at dinner? I saw you were sitting with the uh, captain. That's very... Uh, Glamorous. We have a mutual friend, uh, Miss Lane. If she's nearby, I point her out. Oh, she turns and uh, Miss Lane, you see that Sigmund is talking to a woman probably 20 or so feet away and you see that uh, they both turn to kind of look in your direction. I raise an eyebrow. These are not my usual crowds, you understand, miss. But um, here, I suppose, on vacation and such, we uh, try new things. Well, it's a wonderful ship. I've been on her once before. Have you? Tell me more. Oh, uh, a few years ago, uh, I traveled, uh, just after the war, I traveled uh, from New York here to, uh, to see some friends in London. And I decided that now felt like the right time to head back. I'm headed to England and then past that, parts unknown. I, I was thinking about going to Istanbul. She kind of, her eyes seemed to just get this internal fiery feeling to them. You see the lights of the ship dance in her eyes. I, I'm tired of the social scene in the States. I'm tired of all the parties. I'm off on my own to have a wonderful adventure. You certainly seem like you have the right mindset for it. And I I approve that you should have an adventure. Well, you only live once, Doctor. Why why wait? Why wait indeed? Uh, Miss Lane, Mr. Drake is not but maybe three steps from you by the time you turn back. I turn around and see that he's fairly close and I kind of startled a little bit. Um, Mr. Drake. Interesting to find you here aboard the ship. I could say the same for you. Uh, What might you be doing? Well, I'm headed over uh, with uh, some music collectors there. 
Um, from what you know of Mr. Drake's business, for the most part, he's a lot like your father. He's a philanthropist. So he made, he and his family made money at some point, and he uses that money to mostly push into the art scene and music in the West Coast. So he's fairly big in Los Angeles, uh, and he's supposedly working on some sort of music shell or, or, or orchestral outdoor theater last time you heard. Um, but he's very much a philanthropist. Um, that sounds wonderful. Uh, what kind of music are you focusing on for your trip? Classical? Well, um, I've got to tell you, just from the things I've heard from some of the parish reviews, the states here are just... A, they're just... They're all dried up. We need new music. We need something to inspire our musicians of the future. He uh, pushes his... Uh, and a frizz, frizzy uh, ginger hair uh, uh, away from his face. I think that is um, a wonderful attribute. I tried to get your father interested in uh, the trip and have him come with. Can you imagine if you and him had been on the same boat? <laughs> oh, I could only imagine. that. I'm sure that would have gone swimmingly. I will have to hit the inquiry office in the morning and send a message back to let him know that you're here. I think he will die. No. Oh, you know, we're on the ship together. I, as wonderful as that is, I've already let him know that I was on board. Oh, wonderful. Well, good. Well, good. Um, I'm hoping, anyway, to get an opportunity to talk to Mr. Taft. Uh, I know he may be a little rough around the edges, but uh, he's somebody whose name power could bring in a whole lot to what I'm trying to do in California right now. Well, he does like to talk, so I'm, I'm sure you won't have a problem, you know, getting a word with him. No, I would imagine not. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to say hello, uh, but um, he points at Jack, who's not standing too far from you. He, he points, but he doesn't say anything, and then he just kind of turns his hand hands upward a little bit and cocks his head. Is that a someone I should know? Um, I kind of chuckle under my breath a little bit and I turn and um, Mr. Doyle. Yes? Um, let me introduce you to one of my father's associates. Um, this is Mr. Drake. Um, he um, Ah. The gentleman extends his hand. William Andrews Drake. Jack um, Doyle. Nice to meet you, Mr. Doyle. And I'm not sure exactly what business you're in, but I'm in the business of music. Really? What kind of music? Uh, mostly orchestral, but we've moved into jazz. I uh, run a uh, philanthropic institute uh, out in California. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I, uh, I heard that uh, they have some interesting music coming out of uh, New Orleans nowadays. Hmm, yes. I've heard that as well. I've heard some of the uh, jazz records that have come out of those uh, locations. You can barely get a hold of some of these recordings, but the, uh, the, the tempos are so, so different from what we're used to. I think it's wonderful. I've not heard it myself. I just, some of the uh, locations I frequented, some people talk about it. You know, I have a 
player and a few records in my stateroom. Really? Maybe one of the days in the voyage, I spin a few for you. Oh, that would be great. I would love that. Yeah. You guys should get together. Absolutely. I gotta tell you, I figured you would be uh, using this moment to make your getaway. <laughs> no, I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the conversation. All right. Well, I will leave the two of you to it. I'm sure that you have lots to do. I am gonna freshen my drink up a little bit and go enjoy the view of the ocean. Well, it was nice to see you, Mr. Drake. Um, I'm sure we will catch up again. Mm, I hope so. Mr. Doyle, Ms. Lane, he steps off. Mr. Drake. The uh, captain steps over to you, Miss O'Shea. I'll look up from my book. Hello. Hello. You are uh, aware that this is an observation lounge, right? Yes. He smiles. I'm observing my yes, book. Yes, I see. Rather <laughs> intently, so. I apologize. I don't want to break you away from such a riveting... He kind of looks at the title and realizes that he doesn't understand what any of it looks. <laughs> he kind of looks at it and, and uh, shakes his head a bit. I just wanted to make sure that you uh, have everything you need now. Oh, yes. Uh, you aren't bothering me. I just um, am a little uh, awkward in these situations, I suppose. Uh, I see. So, uh, the Maybe not the most social person. I have a problem with feet in my in my mouth. <laughs> I know people just like you on this ship. He kind of turns and um, puts his back to the same wall that you have your kind of back up against. I'll say that uh, not every guest, of course, is the captain's favorite, um, and uh, it does get a little tiring sometimes to feel an unending stream of questions about the ship or about what we're doing, but I think everything in moderation is important, including some social interaction. And I promise that uh, neither I nor the ship's crew will uh, hold you too accountable for the things you might say. After all, we are in international waters and the laws are a little different. I will keep that in mind. Good. Good I just hoping that you and your compatriots are having a good time. I'm sure everybody's having a wonderful time. They are not hard to please. Well, we these even the most discerning customers. He uh, steps away from the wall a bit and then goes off to mingle. The rest of the evening in the observation lounge is highlighted by uh, the look over the water. Even at this point in the vessel, when you're this far forward, you really get a sense of how big the Acutania is and also how big the ocean is. Um, whether it's conversations between uh, the investigators or whether it's uh, Sigmund continuing his conversations uh, with Miss Foster, the evening ebbs and flows until the wee hours when everyone dismisses themselves back to their passenger uh, accommodations. And that is where we will call it on the RMS Aquitania. So 
I want to thank everybody for joining us for our, our 50th episode. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you. There are so many people we would like to say hello to. Uh, so we're just going to say the hello to all of our listeners for that matter. Um, but um, keep sharing the show and uh, keep bringing people in. Uh, we aim to entertain you. So uh, from me and the rest of the crew, I will say good evening. Good evening.